uh, David Doherty with uh, Sandler Training. And at Sandler, we help, we work with CEOs, uh, CROs, executive founders on solving business problems or sales problems for their business, right? Sometimes we all are solving business problems, but a lot of them are revenue, revenue related. So common things, Brandon, are like, um, you know, the, the pipeline, we don't have enough revenue or enough opportunities in our pipeline to, to make our goals. And so that becomes a topic of why don't we have enough and that can lead to a prospecting problem. So we go, we're not prospecting enough or we don't know how to do it. Sometimes they'll say, we don't know how to close. We don't close enough deals. You've never heard that before, right? Never in my life have I ever heard people enough. complaining about not closing enough uh, deals. So we're like closing. So that's what, that becomes a problem. So we go in and like, why aren't we closing? And typically it's not, you're missing a skill of closing, which is kind of a fallacy in sales. There's really not a, a closing step. It's just when you come to a mutual agreement to do business, then we move forward. So the problem is always before that close. So, you know, but that's a common, they look at the lagging indicators is the problems we solve, right? Like can't close, don't have enough pipeline, don't have enough meetings. Salespeople aren't accountable for what they're doing. So these are kind of common problems we hear from sales leaders. And so we'll come in and they're struggling with these things. They're makes them frustrated and crazy and keeps them up at night. And so we'll come in and I come in and, and work with them and their teams. And the way we do that is with a bringing in a common, it's kind of like accountants have a very common language fair. Like you could take an accountant and plug them in anywhere in the world and they speak accounting. The problem in sales is that there's not a common consensus among sellers about there's all kinds of vocabulary and all kinds of right. approaches and all kinds of people winging it. And the problem is when it's broken and you're, you don't know what to fix because everybody's kind of winging it. So the first step is to come in and create a common vocabulary and a common understanding of what every aspect of a sales process is. So when we're talking, we, look, you people all have done sales at some point. You have an entire staff here that currently do sales. You think you all understand the steps in this process. And when I say a word like closing, I say a word to you. Do we really mean exactly the same thing? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Well, we often don't, right? Like, you know, when you say qualifying. Okay. Qualify a prospect. What does that even mean? Right. Now, as long as everybody understands inside the sales organization what it means and we have clarity and, and we're all on the same page, then we're, we can start moving in the same direction. And you can also fix problems better because, you know, like literally if we're all selling the same way and you're not doing a thing, then I can, we can come in and coach that part of it. We can, you know, you're missing a skill or there's something we can kind of upgrade it. So it gets everybody on a level playing field and then we can start advancing and moving up. So that's what, that's what we do. And that's how I help businesses today. Okay. I want to ask you a weird big picture question about sales. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if people ask what is sales, they would say it's a one human being trying to get another human being to buy something, whether it's a product or service. I don't know if that's the definition you'd give. So big picture, when people talk about sales, what to you is what's happening at this most simple level in sales? Helping people make a good decision. Which is, uh, so that is, that was, that's been so interesting to me in talking to you for years about that, that, that that's your approach because I think in people's minds, 
they're thinking about all the many goals they have for if I get this person to buy this thing, I get this. I get yes. the promotion. I get the bonus. I'm going to get stuff. Or I love my organization, so I'm going to get my organization to do this. Or you get the salespeople who out they're all good intentioned, like people at nonprofits. They're yeah. super well-intentioned, but their goal is still, I'm not thinking about the customer. I think everyone would have a better life if they only did this or bought this. And so- mm -hmm. I'm a zealot. I want everyone to buy this and they're not listening so much. So tell me how your goal being different from that, how does that inform what you Well, want? that's interesting, right? So f the classic sales approach is just that, right? I'm going to go out and convince somebody to do something. Yes. That may or may not be in their best interest. Correct. Right? Well, you know, that doesn't work. Well, the problem is, and this is the this is the catch. It works just well enough that you believe it works. Oh, so you're like almost. I just heard somebody talking about gut. I was watching a show, and the guy's talking about following his gut. My he's like my gut only has to be right fifty one percent of the time. As long as it's usually right, then I can go with my yeah. gut. So that's well, what you're look, saying. <laughs> I mean, you know, if, if if what's the what's the one of the expressions? You know, um, even a blind squirrel can find a nut once in a while. <laughs> you know. And, and I think if you talk to enough prospects that are in your, in your market, you're going to find somebody who's already interested in what you had to offer. Or if you're, yeah. if you're in a not-for-profit world, their values align with your values enough that they're already kind of, and you're like, look, that works. Yeah. And the problem is you've got another chunk of the market that you're probably missing because you didn't back up long enough to ask questions and, and really understand and the other thing you said, which I found really interesting, and it's it's true, is that look in the end, uh, and you know, it's Sandler. <laughs> All credit to uh, Sandler, copyright, whatever the. Well, you keep saying Sandler. What is Sandler's first name? Oh, I, I was guess what I was going to say. So Sandler Training was started uh, uh, in the late '60s by a guy named David Sandler. Okay. And and he he his whole story. It's really cool. I'd recommend. If you're out there reading about sales and whatnot, he's written a lot of good stuff. But he's he's right up there on the Mount Rushmore of of sales gurus, you know. And uh, but his whole thing was he just got so frustrated with that idea that in order for him to he, his words to go to the bank, right, that he had to co convince people to do things, and and that he was in this subservient role of jumping through all the hoops and, and, you know, salespeople get a bad, they have a bad reputation in some cases because they're kind of put in this box of having to convince you. Right. Like when's the last time you got a, you got a call on the phone from a telemarketer. It's probably been a while, but I mean, a little spam call last couple of weeks, somebody calls, I'm not interested at all. So yeah. 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 And you know, it like immediately, Right, because we're con totally conditioned, and we have this pattern of conditioning that that you know. In, in all fairness, you probably weren't interested in what they were selling, but you also were conditioned just to hang up. <laughs> like I'm just not gonna even engage, right? And so, while we believe as sellers that we can convince people to do something, it's working the opposite. The harder we the harder we press, the harder we push to convince somebody to do something, 
the more they feel like they're being sold and then they resist, right? And so it's, it's not, doesn't really work. So the idea, the shift is the pattern interrupt. We like to talk about pattern interrupt. So do the opposite, right? And I, I'm not doing the opposite to manipulate, but I'm going to come over to your side and I'm going to say, listen, what I have may not be a fit for you. It may not make sense at all. But based on what I currently understand, I think we should have a discussion about it. So does that make sense to you? Like, would you be open to having that conversation? Because if you're, if you're, if you're trying to solve this particular problem, we should talk. Now I'm going to come over here and help you. I'm going to ask you questions. I'm going to help you clarify your thinking. I'm going to help you get right on your problem so you can make a good decision, whether it's with me or somebody else. So this is the problem with which I love everything you just said. That would sell me. So if I know I have a problem and they know I have a problem, um, we just need to figure out whether this is the right fit. And uh, people use that tactic you were talking about there where you can get this too, where people, sales people, instead of just telling you you need something, well, now they learned. Well, I have to ask questions, right? And they ask the same questions. They're just pat answers. Again, they're not listening and they're not being right. authentic. And you can feel that. And I become distrustful. So that person may have a good product. That person may be asking me the right questions, but you just get a vibe off them that like they're just pat questions. They're not. They're not listening when you respond, or they're just boxing you in their head. They're running an algorithm. If this person mm-hmm. gives me yes here, they're out. They're not. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't want to talk to them anymore. If it's a no, okay, good. This is good. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> authenticity. How much does authenticity, somebody being mindful of themselves in the moment play into this? The salesperson. It's, it's, I think it's everything. Okay. Well, so before you'll, before you'll be willing to answer questions. Now I'm going to ask you questions about, about, let's say that you're a business owner. Okay. Okay. I'm going to ask where your business is broken. Now, if I don't have any kind of trust built up or any kind of connection made, like I'm, I'm in this trusted advisor role, then I'm not going to get anywhere. Fair. Correct. I'm not going to give you real answers. I'm not going to get, I'm going to get surface level. Yeah. Well, even like it's, it's okay. Like everything's fine. And I've had many conversations that started off that way because you have to stay in that space where I just met you. The, the, the key, the tricky part about not tricky, it's not a fair word, the challenge in selling and building that rapport. So there's, 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 you're, you're a word guy, right? So bonding, if I say bonding, making initial bond, right. And then rapport building over time is building that relationship. Right. But it's not a personal one. It's, it's like, um, one of the things we tell sellers when they're learning how to do this is be the doctor. So when you go to see the doctor and you say, doctor, my shoulder hurts. And the first thing the doctor says is, well, let me look at my surgical schedule for next week. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, whoa, hold on. Right? Right. You'd be like, what are you talking about? Well, sellers, salespeople do this all the time. Like, hey, Brandon, nice to meet you. Let me get my deck out and present my solution. And they're like, what are you, <laughs> what are you talking about? Right? Yes. And so you think about being the doctor. It's, it's coming in with, um, you know, just I'm here to help if I can help you. In order for me to know if I can help you, I'm going to sit down. I've got some questions for you. 
And if, if any point along this process, you feel like this is not a fit, you tell me, okay, and I'll do the same for you. And what happens is if you believe that, and, and that's what we coach a lot on, right? Cause we got to change people's belief systems. Right. You know, so if I tell a prospect that we might not want to work with them, that's going to work. I'm like, yes, it will work beyond your wildest imagination because you're going to qualify. You're going to get to somebody. I'd rather have you tell me no in the first 20, 30 minutes, right? If it's not a fit, it's never going to be a fit or the timing could be off, but I'm not, I don't want to waste our time and energy. And that's another thing that salespeople are really good at doing is we feel like we have to jump through hoops all the time yes. and we don't, we don't. I have equal, it's, it's uh, equal stature, equal business stature, right? Uh, well, now I want to talk about the emotional feeling of that because um, as a salesperson, they don't have to feel this way, but you could feel that that the prospect has all the power. I need them to do something. They don't need anything from me unless, again, I'm a zealot and I think everyone needs my thing. So I could see how they might, if like, my goal is like, I need the money from these sales. I need you to buy this. Yeah. And then you feel like you want to do everything for that. I yeah. get the jumping through hoops because whatever I need to do as a human being is what I'll do to secure the sale. I could see how you'd slide into that now. But, but you smell of it. <laughs> you stink of desperation. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And, and, and there's a, so I, I know, I know your listeners and, I'm imagining like some of the stuff you've done. Like we talk a lot about journaling. Okay. So, and, and in our world, it's, it's affirmations. Do these salespeople so, roll their eyes when you tell them they need to, oh, talk, yeah. like oh, I got 100%. that. That's in the self-help section. What are you talking A hundred percent. But I said, but you need the help. Like your belief system is, is, is out of alignment with how you need to be selling. Right. So if your belief is that, that the only way I can get you to buy from me is I got to convince you. Uh, then that's flawed thinking and, or I have to close the sale for the commission check. Now you might have an empty pipeline and we have lots of these. The cure for that is to have a fuller pipeline, right? Don't, right. don't be hanging on one thing. Like that's a problem. But when we talk about affirmations is um, uh, one of them is for that okay. would be um, I'm independently wealthy and don't need the money. So if your mindset is I'm independently wealthy and don't need the money, how would I behave differently with this prospect today? Now you're encouraging them. So this is some, that might not be true. And what you're saying is it kind of doesn't matter. No, but it's a, but it's a mindset, mindset, right? Okay. Because, well, look, the opposite is what you're talking about where, you know, I'm, I have to close the sale. Well, again, what did we just talk about? The harder I press, the least likely it is I'm going to like, I'm not doing the things I need to do to gain a mutual agreement on. We should do something. Right. So I, I get in this space where I'm like, you know, and, and what, what will the prospect say to you? Well, let me think about it. I got to talk about this internally. Call me back in a couple of weeks. Yeah. They'll do everything, but just tell you no. And so so you keep hope alive and you keep following up and you keep chasing. And it's been a no since the first time you talked. 
Is there a difference? So the the classic example of the bad sales stuff was the traveling uh, traveling vacuum cleaner salesman, who again the stereotype of this guy from the forties and the fifties. This yep. is the guy who's walking around in a suit. He's trying to sell a housewife who's home alone, trying to sell you a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> the fo- I just need to – and the foot in the door. I just need to get my foot in the door. Now we talk about like a metaphor, yep. but that was the salesperson getting the foot in the door. I can kind of pressure you and cajole you into buying this in the moment to either go away or I'm going to try to make you feel yep. guilty about not buying it for me. There's all kinds of emotional plays I can do to pressure you oh, into yeah. trying to buy. In the consumer world – I have been the I've been the recipient of that stuff and sometimes I've said no and sometimes I've been pressured to buy something and then I regret it after and I'm mad about it but maybe that's it yeah. sale one done if you're selling one off to consumers is it is it different selling to business people is their mindset different than the average Joe or Jane Blow on the street consumer so selling to consumer versus selling to business I mean I I would say fundamentally it's the same Right. So what I what I mean by that is that when when people make decisions, they're always emotional decisions. Okay. Now you justify them intellectually. So some of that process that you went through is you made an emotional decision and your intellect was like that was dumb. Like you can't <laughs> even justify it, right? So you're trying to justify it intellectually in the wake yeah. of it and you can't, right? Right. So that emotional connection is true for anybody. So one of the things that that we work on, um, and, and this is true of other, other kind of selling methodology, but the psychology of it is that we, we make decisions to change or do something new based on our emotional states. So, right, like if I'm really frustrated, I'm really struggling, I'm, I'm, I'm worried, I'm concerned, I'm anxious, like, and, and, and I'm here to help and I can be there. Trusted advisor, being the doctor, tell me more, help me understand. I can help you. It's going to be okay. Lots of people struggle with this. Share with me. And I can get you to that place where you recognize that you have to change and you said it, I've got to do something different. That can be you deciding to go sign up for the gym membership because you just went to the doctor and they said, dude, my, my doctor due to me a couple of years ago. So I was like, <laughs> I've known him for 30 years. He literally did, dude. He's like, dude, like you, you got two choices. And I'm like, I'll go to the gym. But I could have gone to the gym before that. Right. Right. So once, once he put me in pain, like emotional pain, then I was like, okay, I need to change. And that entered, then it was all my energy. And so now I'm just, I made a decision to change. Now I'm, I'm, I'm the one driving the bus. So in sales, if we can help people get in alignment with where their pain is, if they don't have any, that's okay too. I don't have these problems. Good. Then you're not a qualified candidate for me. I'm moving on. Who's next. Right. But if I can help you see your problem clearly and, and, and recognize and get more importantly, get you to say, I am struggling with this. I am frustrated by this. These are the things I'm worried about. And you say, would you like me to help you? They say, yes, come and help me solve my problems. And, and that's the true in business. I don't care what level of business and, or what, you know, that's just human psychology. So, okay. It was interesting in the bad example. Um, you buy something emotionally in the moment 
and then you just like, oh, your intellect, your reason didn't jump in. Uh, in this other thing, it sounds like, oh, no, you're still selling on the emotion. This person is having an, a, a problem and there's emotions surrounding it and you're going to help take this away. In that case, the reason comes crashing in later and you realize you didn't want to do it. Is there a way in which you sell that allows both the intellect of the person and the emotions yeah. to sort of yeah. move at the same time? Yeah, because once once we find pain that we can help solve, right? Like that's just that first step. So it starts off with like a business problem, like we talked about. Like in my in my world, I mean I can pick an industry, right? You can yeah. you can give me another example if you like, but there's some business problem or some personal problem, top of the just surface level problem. Company's not making enough money. Okay. I don't know what that means. Tell me more. Right. How much are we off? Like now you're down in the middle. There's some reasons for that. Sale, so, you know, I got like 10 salespeople, half of them aren't performing their quota. Tell me more. Like, how long has this been a problem? This has been going on for three years. How much do you think this has cost you in those last three years? Well, I've had half my team underperforming for the last three years. It's probably been $800,000 problem. Oof. Man, it's a lot of money. Is that a lot of money to you? I don't know. Like, seems like a lot of money to me, right? Right. Would you like to do something about that? Or if you've given up, you know, trying to solve the problem? Like, you know, you just, now I'm helping you tell me that I agree with you. It's the problem. And now I'm going to, I'm kicking the emotional part. Okay, that's done. Now it's like, now what? Well, now we got to talk about what a solution looks like. Now we start kicking in the intellect and the, okay. you know, right? Now we're going into the, from the, in, in I don't want to get into too much of this, but transactional analysis from the 50s was like, you know, parent, adult, child, ego states. And, and all we're doing is, uh, and I'm, I'm the seller, I'm in the nurturing parent ego state. And I'm getting you into your child state by asking you these, getting you to this emotional place. Okay. But I don't keep you there. Okay. Right. Because now you're going to go up to the your your parent. Now your adult and your parent ego states are going to kick and start communicating. It's like we need to hello. We need to fix this child. We this got to fix this today. I want that red Corvette right now. <laughs> right. Right. And then and then then the parents like I don't know. Like can we afford it? And then that adult ego state is the negotiator, the referee. And that's where the intellect kicks in. So it, it, is, it is just starting there, though, because think about anything in your life. Once you admit it out loud, I need to do something differently. Or like when you state goals, you know, we, when you state goals out loud and you share them and then you start tracking them, they tend to happen. And the same thing with solving problems. If I'm the only one that has this, if I'm keeping it all in, not sharing it. Once you share it and say it out loud, like then you're like, I'm on my way to fixing it. Now, am I, now I still, I still don't know. We've identified you have a problem. I still don't know if I'm the right solution. Right. And that's the whole mindset you have to have all the way through. So we've identified a problem. Now we need to talk about like the investment to solve it. Who's all involved in making a decision. That's on consumers and businesses too, right? Like sometimes there's, in my experience, there's always somebody else, right? Now, depending on the size of transaction, we, you're, not, you're not getting advice on bubble gum. But if you're making a, you know, some four or five figure decision, you're probably at least talking to some other person. You're going to get advice from somebody, typically. Right. We saw, um, and I saw this question asking thing go 
not what you're talking about, uh, but question asking go horribly wrong. There's this one, there's this one video I saw of a guy who's going door to door. There's been a storm. And so this is a guy's a roofer. He works for a roofing company. He's going door to door. And this mm-hmm. woman answers the door and he's like, Oh, are you taking care of, you know, there's been these, this hail damage. Have you got this taken care of? Like, Oh, we're talking to the insurance company. He's like, do you feel like you're on top of it? She's like, yeah, we're on top of it. He's like, you're not, you're not on top of it. Um, and so immediately starts kind of like pushing, like aggressively, like getting the person right. on our heels. You need to get us scheduled today. And then at the end where she's like, I think I need to wait, <clears throat> talk to my partner about this. He's like, yeah. do you talk to your partner about everything? Like, uh, yeah, when it's this much money and I do, and you yes. saw this bad, just this bad interaction, you wondered what was going through that salesperson's, what was going through that? Nothing because they're, they're, they're scripted. Okay. Right now let's talk about. I mean, that's an interesting scenario, right? I wanted to throw in a really bad like, one. Le- <laughs> no, no, it's an interesting one because it's very common, right? That whole, like the, the door to door. I mean, I get the bug guy, the bug guy comes around, the roof guy comes around. What else we got? And your only qualification on guy, maybe they came to your neighborhood and they know someone there that's owns it. or rents that house. That's the entire yeah, qualifying you know, process. Steve down the street is getting his bugs done. That's what this like, guy was I, doing. Yes. I'm here in the neighborhood. I'm like, I don't care. Like, <laughs> I don't. Great. Good news for you. Like, right. now, uh, you know, the difference would be, I suppose, in that case is, listen, um, there was a recent storm went through here. I don't know. I'm here. We are doing some other work. You know, not important. But listen, you may or may not have roof damage. I don't know. And I don't know if you've thought about getting checked or not. Not sure if it's even important to you that your roof is in good shape or not. I just want to let you know I'm here to help if if there's anything that, you know, you think we need to look at. Now, you know, I'm not trying to convince you to do anything. I'm just saying, hey, I, I'm here, like, you know, and the person could be, well, you know, I have been thinking about my roof. But their guard is different. It's a different dialogue, right? Because the minute, like, I mean, you can see it. The second somebody starts to try to convince you, you just, res- even if even if you wanted them to look at your roof. Yeah. That's a gone. That's so gone. is it a, um, is the trigger, is the convincing, knowing someone is trying to persuade you and then your, your uh, psychology or your ego coming up to defend you against persuasion? Or is it just a lack of trust? Like if I trusted someone and and Jane comes in and tries to I trust her completely and she comes in and is like she starts trying to persuade and convince me about something is it a different Well that's different. Okay, it's different if I trust it, it, Well, it is different. If you, if you if you know somebody in your life that is just coming in to hold you accountable. Right. What's interesting though, even in those cases if you think about those scenarios, they're they're probably going to lead with questions. Like, and if they so don't what leave do you the questions like, right then, they've talked to you before for months or years. This is someone you know. And so yeah, they don't like, leave with questions. They already like, know the answers to the questions. So so I know this 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 recurring topic of trust yeah. um, keeps coming back. And it, it it absolutely is foundational. So when you think about like in in selling, we, we really work hard on what we call professional communications and, and anybody can use these th- this thinking. So if I'm an extrovert, 
which I am, and you're an, not an extrovert. And you play one on the podcast. I do. I'm an uh, ambivert. I like to call myself an ambivert. Ambivert. You can flex. We've talked <laughs> yeah, about this, right. but you, you're at the end of the day, you're tired. I get it. Like it's okay. But in, if I'm if I'm having a sales conversation with you, it's my job to adapt my communication style to match yours. So your style is going to be one of thoughtfulness. Um, your tonality is going to be different than mine has been. I have to moderate my tonality, put a lot more pauses in and give you time to process the information. That's just the way you do You roll. And, and if I understand that, then it's more likely you're going to go, he gets me. So, and it's not manipulation. It's just really trying to meet you where you are. Like, I'm just trying to like connect, make a connection with you so we can have the right kind of conversation to better understand if, I, if there's anything I can help you with. But if I can't get through that door, <clears throat> then we're not going to be able to have that conversation. So I liked that version of trying to build trust and being sensitive to people's psychology better than another thing that it, it bounces into the sales world, but it's really sort of woo-woo psychology, but NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. And this is about yes. a lot of subconscious stuff like – I'm going to say things in a certain way, or I'm going to try to, and this is much more like, mm -hmm. I'm still maintaining respect for you having agency. I'm just trying to figure out, can I figure out what kind of person do you seem like, or do I know you to be? And can I adjust my communication so we can have a better communication? I, it's mm -hmm. exactly as you said, this is a mindset thing about, I'm not thinking of you as a person to use. I'm thinking of you as a person I'm in dialogue with. We're equals as opposed to like, that's right. I'm going to learn about you so I can figure out what pushes your buttons. And then in my mind, I'm going to try to do that. You know, that many people are trying to do that all the time. A hundred percent. And it's, it becomes, you want something that comes across as, uh, authentic and you know, authentic, right? So if I come in there, I go, hey, um, Brandon, I noticed that uh, painting of bananas or something you got in your back wall. That's pretty cool. Like, you're going to be like, now I know you, so that might be different. But, you know, if, you, if I meet you the first time, you're like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm not making those connections, <laughs> right? But people yeah. do it all the time, right? Like, nice kids. And like, why are you talking about my kids? I've known you for like 10 seconds. Like, that's not how you make connections. Um, one of the rules we have is I'm not here to be your friend. I have friends. I thought that was interesting because you were talking about, you said we teach, we're teaching a professional communication and it is different yes. than you're at the bar or you're at the sports game with oh, yeah. other people. And you just, you're just chatting casually with people, human to human yeah, about something that's going on. This has, this has goals and rules and it needs to have stronger, healthier boundaries. Another thing salespeople are encouraged badly to do by some bad bosses is you got to get chummy and friendly with everybody. So chummy and you got to be mm. friends with these people and that's how you're going to get them to sell. They got to love you. They got to love you. Nope. Okay. So based on what we, based on what we talked about, how would you replace that idea of being friends? What would you replace that with? Oh, you, I mean, you already gave me the language. It's like the trusted advisor, doctor, my doctor, I chat with him about stuff, but he's not my friend. We're there. No. We're having a transaction. This is an exchange. We would not be talking to each other <clears throat> if I weren't there for an appointment. That's the reality. Fact, you find it awkward when you see him out in the wild, right? Like, right. Oh, right. It'd be weird. Like, hey, Dr. Like, Sullivan. Yeah. You're not hey, friends. Like, you know, yeah. there's a difference there. They're not yeah. friends. Yes. And, and I can be. 
I have excellent relationships with founders and CEOs of companies, not their friend, right? I'm like, what are you doing? Why is your sales leader not doing? And I'm holding them an account. It's an accountability thing, right? Like I'm here to make you better. And that means I'm going to have to ask you difficult questions. I'm going to have to challenge your thinking. I'm going to have to do things that, that I'm not your friend, but it's okay because that's the foundation we built on. So the other thing is in that whole like um, idea of mirroring and matching communication styles is what we talked about, right? Yep. And, you know, we use uh, DISC profile for that. Uh, there's a lot of different ones, but we like DISC. So it kind of defines different communication styles just for anybody who's interested. Versus like and then, the other big um, ones out there. There's like Clifton Strengths, which is really like figure out what you're good at. There's MBTI, which is kind of what's your personality yeah, type. DISC is yeah. much more focused on communication. On communications, right? Because it's like, you know, there's there's – you know, direct styles and detailed styles and, you know, high eye, like verbal styles. And so it's just kind of locking in. The other big one though, that, that I, I wanted to bring up here is that you talked about it earlier on is we do talk about neuro-linguistic programming, which is like visual and auditory and kinesthetic. It's, it's not big there. It's just kind of another little tool you can use. I don't, Put a, I mean, it, it's true. Like if I'm visual, I say, I, I like to see that or Yeah, I don't think it's it. wrong, but I think a lot of times people, it, it's yeah. easy for people to want to glom on. onto that as a manipulative tactic. Yeah. 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 And then, but the other big one, so, so understanding how somebody likes to communicate, number one, matching that style with tonality, giving people time to process information, checking in, right? Shut your damn mouth, right? Like- and, and the other one is active listening and you said it and, and we both know this people, I don't care who they are. They want to be heard. So if you're going to ask a question, you got to listen, you got to listen. Right. And, and when you're doing your questioning, you talk about people asking bad questions because they're not listening. I have my 10 questions I need to ask you. Yeah. But they have not, they're like, if you're listening to me and I, then I naturally can reverse those. I can say, tell me more about that. Can you give me an example? How long has that been a problem? Right. Is that something you've tried to fix or do you given up? You know, you can, you can, if, if I'm in the game and I'm paying attention and listening, I don't even present any, we don't even recommend presenting anything until you fully qualified somebody. I'll share a little bit of how we can help along the way, of course, but it's all about you first. Not about me at all. Have, they don't care about the history of my company and let me drag you through this whole, like, here's all our data and they don't care. Any sellers out there, they don't care. <laughs> but we think, again, we think if it's convincing and pers persuasion, yes. I need to show my credentials now. So I'm going to spend the next 15 minutes giving you a lot of data and reasons why we're the company to oh, choose. Yeah. It's us. We're the best. We're the greatest. That's what I'm going to and, lead with because I'm trying to. And prospects yeah. will sit there. There's a couple personality styles who will not tolerate it at all. And you'll be done in five minutes. But most of them will sit and smile and nod the whole time. Great. Thanks for your time. Nice presentation. Can you send me that deck? Right. I got to think about it. <laughs> Follow up with me in a couple of weeks, right? Yeah. Because what did you accomplish, right? You made it all about you. 
and nothing about them. So now you go away thinking you got an opportunity because they were nice to you for half an hour and you don't. When people present this really good advice, so the things you're talking about, um, you know, they're just skimming the surface a lot of ways you could go deep. Uh, but it's all good advice and it sounds good. And then you think, well, then the first roadblock is, well, why don't people do this? So in your mm-hmm. in your experience, um, there are certain people, like we call them good listeners. Well, most of the people in the world who are quote unquote good listeners didn't learn to be good listeners. It's something they kind of processed as a kid Dude. or they've they yeah. subconsciously figured out it works for them and so now they're a good listener people like that they reward them for that it's like when they talk about how parents are supposed to talk to their kids talk to your kids and tell them about the things they're good at and the things they're working hard at and then the kid will be like i'm a person who works hard at that i'm a person who's good at that so it's stuff that happened to them they did not do it to themselves this training you're talking about is you are going to explicitly consciously do this to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, some people just mm-hmm. do it automatically. So if salespeople don't do this already or they struggle with this, what do you think the biggest hurdle is to to implementing good advice like this? That's, that's a great question. So there are two, two things. Okay. Only one of two things. It's either a skill, like I have to, I have to learn a new skill. Okay. So it's so it's technical, right? Could you give a little like, mini example of like a technical skill? Like originally you're talking about like well, you, have, just, you don't have a pipeline. So, so, so yeah, 100%. So like we'll take it all the way down to the micro level of listening. Okay. So one way that, you know, if a salesperson's been conditioned that they set up a meeting with a prospect and they go in and they're, the, the way they've been conditioned is that I'm here to tell you about us and how we can help you. That's what you do. So you just do that, right? And then, like we talked about, maybe 10% of it sticks, maybe 15, and you're like, oh, it's working great. <laughs> you left you left at least twice or three times out on the, on the field, but okay, great, keep doing that. And I'll go talk to your competitor. So you keep doing that. So when we come in and say, the skill is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach you how to, number one, create that initial trust, okay? It's just, we're gonna work on that communication skill, okay? Then we teach like just, we call them upfront contracts, but really it is a, it's a hyper agenda for each meeting. Okay. And in that agenda, you say, I'm going to ask you questions about your situation. At the end of our time together, if it makes sense, you and I will make a decision whether or not we should schedule more time and continue. Does, and you say, does that make sense to you? And they're like, yeah, no problem. So I've committed myself to asking questions and I've, I've gotten permission up front to ask questions, right? So, so the technical part, the, the other part is going to be your mindset, your attitude, right? And, and so did your mother, I don't know, we all have mothers. It's all our mom's fault, all these things. But <laughs> at some point, one of your, one of your parental units yeah. told you it's rude to talk to strangers, or you shouldn't talk to strangers because you can't trust strangers, right? So that's all built in our psyche from the time we're little. And that stuff shows up. And you'd be shocked and surprised how many coaching sessions I've had that start with, I'm uncomfortable asking questions. I'm like, well, why are you uncomfortable? I just feel like I'm being rude. Really? Mm. Why do you feel like you're being rude? Well, you know, it's like I'm bothering them and, 
it's really none of my business. And you know, I'm in their business and what I'm like, yeah, you need to be in their business. Like you can't, right. (laughs) So, and then it goes back to this equal business stature and, you know, be the doctor. It's okay. Like it's okay. And then, but we premise that with a skill that says, if you set up the conditions correctly and they agree, they give you permission to ask questions. Does that change how you think about asking questions? They're like, yeah. Okay. So let's work on that skill. And then what happens is when they go execute that new skill, their next sales meeting or their next five, and it works, they're like, gosh, I can ask questions of a CEO and they'll answer them. I said, yeah, I know. It's, it's pretty amazing concept, isn't it? And you probably wouldn't guess most of some of us, you could, but internally they sort of sound like a sad little hang dog. Like no one wants to talk to me. I shouldn't talk to strangers. I'm wasting the CEO's time, but I'm sure on the face of it, we all present faces that we're, we're fine and everything's great and I'm competent, but right. Something's Mm -hmm. pulling them back. Yes. Well, so, so sellers, the classic example is right. They they'll go out and have a meeting and we're like, uh, how was the meeting? Oh, it was a great meeting. I, I presented everything we have. We could help them. And they, they were totally engaged and listening and I'm like, did they, right. And so, so they didn't ask. So the avoidance mechanism is I just don't ask questions. Okay. Yeah. 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 You know, I put on, I put on the happy, but now because I'm going to change the way you're selling, I'm going to put you into it. I'm going to pull you outside of your comfort zone and put you into a new space with new goals and new expectations. Now I'm exposing all of that, right? I'm going to be like, that's all out there. So tell me now why you didn't ask questions. Well, it's just like, you know, it was really uncomfortable. And, and, and there's the, the, the personality styles, right? Like, um, I mean, I've trained PhDs in, in, I don't even molecular biology, for a company, right? Because they got to go sell their testing stuff. Well, they're extremely introverted. They're scientists, right? Right. I'm like, you got to ask questions. <laughs> and they're like, what? I know it's going to be okay. Like it'll be all right. But, but you give them a process and say, look, and this is, this is your process to go. And, and, you know, but you know, so it's two things, right? So you got to teach, make sure the skills in place, and that's one thing—the technique and the skill. And then you got to work on the mindset um, part of it because sometimes we're just not—they're not in alignment. 